Today's scriptures reading is found in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. I will be reading from the NIV. Hear the word of the Lord. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria in Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Dana and team, for leading us this morning. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Trinity Church. And those of you that are joining us online, thank you for doing that, which includes this morning my wife Beth watching from Canada with her mom. So uh, thankful to them and for any others that are joining us that way. Thanks for being a part of our live stream today. And uh, this, I told the first service, of course I knew from there that this morning at the 930 service what we were doing. I knew we were having a pastor appreciation moment, but I didn't knew, know that it would be so personal, including a box of personalized cards from each of you. So just overwhelming to my heart. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for blessing us in that way. And I told the first service, I've got a week before Beth comes back, so I've got to use those gift cards as quick as I can before she... <laughs> Not really. I'll wait till she gets back and use them with her. Um, we, uh, <clears throat> we mentioned this in the first service, too. But I, was trying to, I was looking around to see who the bleary-eyed game watchers were. How many stayed up and watched the Braves last night? Okay, wow, a lot of you did stayed up for that. I, at, the, at the seventh inning stretch, it's 4-2, and I knew the Braves were going to win, so I went ahead and went to bed. So I am bright-eyed and ready. I'm not going to fall asleep during the sermon, so I expect you not to fall asleep during the sermon today either, okay? Um, we, uh, we have an exciting passage in the book of Acts. This has been such a great series. I've, I've loved going through this, and there's a lot to go yet. Uh, so much to learn from watching the early church and the way God led and worked through the early church. And today's lessons are so very personal. So I hope you'll uh, kind of stay engaged and tuned in, listening to God's Word as we go through it this morning. So let's pause and pray once more. Ask Him to do that for us. Lord God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this privilege of worship and, and prayer that, to know that you are right here in the room with us, that your presence is right here because we are gathered in your name, because we're gathered to worship you. And so thank you that you've given us your word, your revelation, your expression of who you are and what your plan is for salvation and we have this to guide us, to, to walk in. <clears throat> so this morning, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us with your word. I thank you for the, the, uh, each person that is here. I thank you for the, those that are watching online, for the unity of the spirit that we have together, the, the common bond in Jesus Christ to live for you, to, to learn from you. And so to that end, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would guard my words, help me to rightly, accurately communicate your word, your truth for us this morning. 
And Lord, may it be the power of your living word, the power of your living spirit at work in us to teach us and guide us. We're going to see in the passage this morning how you do exactly that, and that's what we pray for today. You would do that in us. So we are here. We're available. We're listening. Speak, Lord Jesus, to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Some of you know this, uh, earlier this month, Beth and I took a week of vacation. We went up to Acadia National Park up in the beautiful state of Maine. It was the first time for either of us to be up there. Uh, it, was, it was just a great week. <clears throat> we had beautiful weather. We had, uh, 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 it's, it's kind of a, it's on an island. And so it's, it's kind of unique in this way. There's lots of Fall colors, for one thing, they were already getting some fall color early October, as you see in a couple of our pictures here. And I dragged Beth all over that park, hiking trails and biking trails and visiting little towns that are around the area. And she was such a great sport, coming along and just doing everything. I just wanted to be active and outdoors every single day. It was so beautiful. And so um, the uniqueness, as I said about this, is that it's an, kind of, it's an island, not far from the mainland, but you do cross a bridge to get out. It's called Mount Desert Island is where the park sits. And so um, you can, it's one of these places where you can go to one side of the island, the east side, and watch the sun rise in the morning. And in the evening, you can go to the other side of the island and watch the sun set over the water on the other side. And so we tried to do that as many times as we could, as many days as we could go see the sunrise and the sunset over the water. And uh, so one of these particular days, uh, it was kind of late in the day, it was, and I, we were trying to figure out, where are we going to go for sunset? And I found on my map a, a place I wanted to go. It looked like it had a wide open view. I thought, this is going to be perfect. But I wasn't exactly sure how to get there, and the map wasn't real clear. So, and we were a little late in getting there. So we got to the parking lot and discovered I found a little sign that showed a trail out to what looked like it would be the, the shore, where we get an open view of the sunset. So I said, okay, we can do this. Let's go. We're going to have to move fast because the sun is setting. So we start off on this trail, and this trail just meanders round and round and round, going through the trees and, and over the marshes. And it was really, Beth said, as we were walking, she said, this is like a, a wonderland here because just that, that setting sun, the light is diminishing. But I'm thinking, the sun is going down, and we're not out, to the, out of the forest yet to see it. And sure enough, as we're walking through, still not sure how long we have to go, I'm looking up and I'm seeing the, the color up through the trees, the color of sunset, and knowing that we're missing it. We finally came to the, a point where we just still hadn't gotten there. And I, we said, we, we're not going to make it for sunset. And not only that, if we keep going, we're going to have to come back all this way through this dense forest in the dark. That doesn't sound too smart either. So we stopped we turned around, went back, which I hate doing, if you know my personality, to give up on something, go back, and we missed the sunset that evening. Now, that sad story to tell you, sometimes it's like that in life. Sometimes we make decisions that are, turn out to be bad decisions. Sometimes we take the wrong path, or we don't know how far it's, it is to go. We just were too late. Sometimes we miss the sunset. So what happens when that when we're in those situations, what happens when we make a wrong move? What happens when we don't pick up on God's direction, God's will for our lives? Then what do we do? That's what our passage today talks about. So I invite you to turn with me, please, if you're not there already, to Acts chapter 15, the passage you heard right at the end of chapter 15. We're going to move on into chapter 16 as well today. 
How do we follow God's will so that we don't miss too many sunsets in this life? There's great examples in this passage. We're in the series in the book of Acts, as you know, to the ends of the earth, and we're going to see it again today and as we follow on into the next parts of, of Acts. The gospel just continues to move out to new people, new places. And we've seen in chapter 15, looking back the last couple of weeks, the Jerusalem Council has officially sanctioned the salvation of Gentiles without having to become Jews first. This was huge. This was a big deal in terms of the gospel being able to go out to all peoples, all races, all kinds, all places. And so Paul, now with this decision in hand, he's ready to go. He wants to go out. It's time for another missionary journey. It's time to take the gospel out again. And so I just kind of envision Paul, he's getting on the phone to his buddy Barney, and he's saying, hey, let's go. Let's go back to those churches that we planted in the last missionary journey, and let's see how they're doing. And Barnabas is all in. He says, absolutely, let's go. But there's a problem. You just heard it in the passage that was read there a moment ago. Remember, Barnabas had this younger cousin named John Mark. And John Mark came along with him on the first missionary journey back in Acts 13. And shortly into that journey, he left them. And the text doesn't tell us why. It doesn't tell us what happened. But we come here to chapter 15, and when Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark along again. Let's give him another try. Paul says, mm -mm. he deserted us. That's how he describes it. He deserted us. Paul didn't trust him to take him on another missionary journey. And then Luke tells us that there was a sharp disagreement about this. Now, remember, Barnabas is a very different personality from Paul. He is an encourager. He's Barnabas. His name means the son of encouragement. And plus, this is family. This is his cousin we're talking about. So he says, no, we need to take John Mark. Paul says, no, we're not taking John Mark. Barnabas says, we got to take John Mark. And Luke tells us in verse 39 that they had such a sharp disagreement about this that they parted company. Do you understand the significance of this? I mean, this phrase, sharp disagreement, there's one Greek word for that. It's the word paroxysm. <laughs> Just as a Greek word, that sounds bad, doesn't it? And it is. It means contention. There was a contentious argument between them. We're talking about Paul and Barnabas, the first two missionaries. And they're having an argument. Now, as bad as that sounds and is... What this tells me is one important fact, and I've mentioned this before as we go through different texts of the Bible. The Bible is always transparent and honest. See, if Luke was just trying to paint a beautiful picture of the church and the early Christians and the leaders of the church, he would never have included that story. He would never have told us about the argument. But the Bible is giving us real life, real events an honest view of what's going on. And in this case, we see that even mature Christians can sometimes disagree. And it leads to our first principle today, and that is that God works despite our flaws. God still works even despite our flaws, our failures, our sin. So in this case, who was right? Was Paul right? Was Barnabas right? The text doesn't say and Luke, in writing this, doesn't take a side. In fact, what happens 
is that God turns this disagreement into something good, which is often what He does. So what happens? Paul goes on. He takes Silas instead. Silas had come up from Jerusalem, the church there. They go back to Galatia, as Paul had suggested. They go back to encourage the churches and the new believers there. Barnabas did what he said he was going to do. He took John Mark, and they went back to, made sense, to his homeland of Cyprus. Remember that island? That's where he was from. They had been there on the first journey, so they went back and encouraged the believers in the early churches there. God used an uncomfortable disagreement to double his missionary force. Extraordinary. Let me tell you about the outcome of this, by the way. In case you don't know, John Mark, maybe you say, well, maybe he didn't deserve a second chance. But God gave him a second chance. Barnabas gave him a second chance. He took him under his arm. He mentored him personally. We're not told about that trip, so we don't know if there was trouble along the way, but whatever it was, Barnabas must have kept pouring into John Mark because by the time we get a few years down the road, we find out that Peter worked with John Mark and was encouraging and, and excited about his help. We read that in 1 Peter 5.13. Eventually, John Mark went back and helped Paul. Paul realized, hey, okay, he's grown up now. I'll take him back on my team. And so he becomes a help to Paul. Colossians 4.10 tells us about that. And then even when we get to the end of Paul's life, he's in a prison in Rome, and he writes to Timothy what some of the last words he writes, and he says, get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. This very one that Paul said, no, he failed. He's, don't, we're not bringing him. Now at the end of his life, Paul says, that's who I want with me because he's such an important encouragement. Wow. What a turnaround. What a, what a testimony to God's grace in our lives. Yeah, there was an argument. Yes, John Mark had failed. God overcame all that to continue His work. God uses us despite our failures. God works in our lives despite our flaws. God accomplishes His will in us despite petty arguments and disagreements that we all tend to fall into. And God can use us even if we failed Him before. I'm so glad He does. As I mentioned, Beth is with her mom up in Canada this week who was in the hospital. Thank you for your prayers. She is out of the hospital now, back home. Beth is going to stay probably another week or so just to um, be there, spend a little time with her mom while she's up there, and with her sister as well who's having some health issues. So um, <clears throat> thank you for your prayers for them. And uh, they've had a lot of extra time together sitting in the hospital room and now at her mom's apartment just talking. And Beth told me about a story her mom shared with her, remembering back to their first church that they were a part of there in St. Catharines. That's the city where Beth is from, where her family lives. And her mom and dad got involved with this church. Their background is Mennonite brethren. It's a, it's a conservative, um, evangelical denomination, not well known down here in the States, especially in the South, but up in Canada. A lot of immigrants from Europe landed there and, and had this background, this Mennonite background. And so... Um, that's Beth's background as well. And this, this church in St. Catharines came to a point where there was a huge disagreement in the church. Good church, 
but they were struggling. And here's what, this is years ago, so those folks that came over all spoke German, and so the church was always conducted in German. Well, there was a movement afoot. Some people in the church said, we need to have an English service as well because they're trying to minister to a community that also spoke English. Well, there was such a, a con conflict over this that the church split. That's terrible. The church split over the language they were going to use in the church. But you know what God did from that? He took a church in German and a church in English, and He grew them and used them to reach all different people in that city those many years ago. Our argument's good? No. It shows our sinful nature. But God can take even those difficulties, even those failures, and He can turn it into something He uses for His glory and for His work. He's the God of second chances. I hope you've seen that in your life. So Paul and Silas take off on their journey. Let's follow what they do for a minute. and put a map up here on the screen so you can kind of see what they did. Here's where they start. This is the church in Antioch where everything flows out of. Last time in the first journey, they went over here to Cyprus. That's where Paul and, I mean, that's where Barnabas and John Mark ended up on the second journey. But the first journey, Paul and Barnabas went here, and then they went up, took a ship over to here, ended up in Antioch, and went this way through these cities. Now, Paul and Silas are going by land, and they're starting to work back through those same cities where they had planted churches on the first journey. So look at chapter 16, verse 1. Pick up our text there. Paul came up to Derby, came to Derby, and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, that is, of Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So first, I was going to say, wait a minute, Paul. Didn't, didn't we just settle this circumcision question at the council in, in Jerusalem, right? The chapter, Paul, didn't you read Acts 15 already? This is settled. They don't need to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. Now, Understand, the situation is a little different here because Timothy, we're told, is, was already a believer. He had already come to faith probably on the first time through when Paul and Barnabas were there. So this is not about salvation. What we do know is that it's about Timothy's family. He comes from this mixed race, mixed religion family, mother a Jew, his father a Greek. And so Paul is deciding to say it's best for Timothy to fully embrace his Jewish heritage so that it would not be a stumbling block to the Jews they were going to meet along the way who they were hoping to bring to Christ. So this has to do with the stumbling block issue. Paul's going to write about that more later on. Timothy, what we learn here, and that's what the issue here was, that he didn't have the cleanest family background. And yet, God chose to use him. Paul chose to use him, which gives us our next principle here this morning, and that is that God looks beyond our past. God looks beyond and works beyond whatever your past may be. So for Timothy, he came to Christ probably the same time his mother and his grandmother did. We're told that Paul writes a letter and he talks about the faith of Timothy's grandmother and mother, and, and they're teaching him as he was growing up. Paul considered Timothy his son in the faith, so it may even be that Paul was the one who led Timothy to Christ when they were through in that city the, the time before. 
He considers him his spiritual son. And Timothy ended up traveling all over the world with Paul. This was the start of something that would last for years. Timothy would be involved in at least six of Paul's letters, either helping write the letter or deliver the letter. Paul sent two of his letters to Timothy. That's First and Second Timothy in our New Testament. Timothy was very involved. In fact, at one point, eventually, Paul would put Timothy in charge, leading the church in Ephesus as pastor of the church in Ephesus. So Timothy's past, his mixed family, his Greekness, none of that prevented him from being used by God. So maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian family. Maybe you didn't attend a Christian school, didn't get a Christian education. Maybe you didn't even grow up in or attend in previous years a a church that taught the Bible, that presented the gospel. Maybe you didn't have that background. Maybe, like Timothy, you had one parent who was a believer and one who was not a believer. Or maybe neither were believers. It doesn't matter. That does not prevent God from working. It doesn't prevent God from using you. He looks beyond your past. And hear this, He can use you in His future despite your past. That's how God works. And Timothy is a great example of this here. We often think about him, talk about all the wonderful things he did. We forget about his past. Could have been a stumbling block, but God used him. This was my dad's experience too. Those of you who have been here at Trinity for a while, you've heard me talk about this and I think last year as I shared the little book that I wrote, the life story of my dad, and some of you even read it, and if so, you'll remember some of these details, but my dad's mom came to faith in Christ when my dad was just very small, just a toddler, I think. His dad did not. His dad remained a staunch atheist, and he hated his wife's faith, pushed against it, worked against it. Until my dad was 10 years old when his dad left the family, just left him, abandoned him, never came back. So my dad grew up not only in a mixed religion family, he grew up in a broken home. He also grew up in a tough inner city neighborhood in Patterson, New Jersey. All the odds were stacked against him. And yet God pulled my dad out of that setting out of that early life and saved him and called him into ministry. My dad went on to be a Bible college and seminary professor and administrator. He went on to speak and preach all over the country and places all around the world, led our family as a Christian husband and father, and wrote 50-some books on Christian education and Christian leadership. None of that is to my dad's credit. That's to the credit of God's grace in going beyond his past, his family, his upbringing, and using him for God's work and God's glory. That's what God does. Timothy joins the team. It's Paul and Silas and Timothy. And God used them as a team. Look at verses 4 and 5. As they traveled from town to town, 
They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they grew daily in numbers. I love this. Luke, every once in a while, he just stops the text, the story for a minute, and he says, hey, you just need to know, things are moving, things were growing, the gospel's spreading, and the churches are growing. And he tells us that again here. So these new places, these new cities, as they go back through Derby and Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, the faith is growing. The church is expanding. Why? Because God uses us despite our flaws, despite our failures. He looks beyond our past and our backgrounds. But it doesn't stop there. There's one more important point for us this morning. I'm going to camp on this for a few minutes. God leads us in our uncertainty. And here's where we get to the point about God's will, God's direction in our lives. Because there are a lot of times we're, we falter. We, we're not sure. We're uncertain. What's next? Where are we going? And that was true for Paul and Silas and Timothy here too. So now they've done what Paul planned to do, right? They've revisited those cities. They've revisited those churches. They're, they're done probably in Antioch, and now they're saying, okay, now what? <laughs> now where do we go? We'd made our plans up to here, but what's next, Paul? Let's pick up in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now, remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about closed doors and open doors. Here we have two closed doors, very distinctive closed doors. What's going on here? Now, let me show you this on the map first because I think it will help to see the geography. So here's Antioch again. This different kind of map shows you a little more detail. They go up here through Derby and Lister, Iconium, and Pisidian Antioch right here, and now they're moving into new territory. They're coming out of Galatia, the green part, and they're moving into Asia. And apparently it seems like what Paul probably wanted to do was to go over here to Ephesus, a main city in, in Asia Minor, and they're going to get there eventually. But for now, for some reason, the Holy Spirit, Luke tells us, prevented them from going that direction. So they keep moving. They go up this way, and now they're moving into Mysia through Mysia, and Paul says, well, let's go north. Let's go up here to Bithynia. And again, the Spirit says, no, not that direction. And so prevented from going north, they keep moving west, and they end up here in Troas, a port city on the Aegean Sea. What's going on here? What happened? Why were they prevented in going these other directions? How did they even know not to go to these other places? What was stopping them? Now, I don't know. I tried to think through this logically in my own head to answer this question. I think, well, maybe they didn't have the right visas. You know, they couldn't, they could be in Galatia. They couldn't get, I'm thinking modern day. So maybe, maybe Timothy had trouble getting his passport, right? He's there in the Antioch. He just joined the team from Lystra. You know how slow it is getting those passports. So maybe he wasn't ready. He couldn't go to those areas. Or, or, or maybe they didn't have proof of vaccination. And so they couldn't go to these certain areas. What, we don't know. The text doesn't tell us. The text doesn't tell us what was happening. I wish we had more detail, but we just don't. So maybe it was circumstances that prevented them. Maybe they had a dream or a vision. We're going to see that happens in a moment. Maybe that happened here. Maybe, maybe it was just Paul's sensitivity. He said, no, no, I don't, I don't think God wants us to go this direction. Some, in some way, God prevented them from going these two directions. 
And you know the old saying, when God closes a door, He opens a window. Now, that's not in the Bible, by the way. Don't look for the verse because it's not, it's not a Scripture text. I think maybe it comes from a song or something. But it's actually a pretty good principle because that's often what happens. God opens another way, and that's what happens here. So they, they reach Troas. They're still not sure what's going to happen next. Look at verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, don't you wish God would always make it that clear, right? But this is the exception. This is not the norm, even for Paul, even in first, for first century missionaries. So if God doesn't always give us a vision, what do we learn about God's direction in our lives here? I want to pull out a couple, couple key principles. First thing to notice, and it's easy to miss this as you just read through the text, all three members of the Godhead were involved in giving direction here. Did you notice that? First, Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit prevented them from going into Asia. So we see the work of the Holy Spirit the third member of the Godhead. Then the next time when they prevented going north, Luke says, the Spirit of Jesus. Well, who's that? Well, it's the same as the Holy Spirit, but he's bringing the, reminding us of the fact that this is the same Spirit who works in connection with Jesus, the Son of God. And then when they come and receive this vision, they come and, and at the end here in verse 10, they say, we, de we decided that God was calling us to go into Macedonia. Now we have the Father included as well, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, all involved in this pattern of direction and guidance. Isn't it comforting to know that all three members of the Trinity are involved in your life helping give you direction, spiritual direction for your life? That's how important it is to God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. The second thing to notice here is that Paul and his companions continued to move forward as they were trusting God to guide them. They got a closed door, they keep moving this way. Closed door, okay, we'll move this way. They go to Troas, they wait. They kept moving. They didn't just stay in Antioch, camp out there and say, well, let's just hang out here until God tells us what to do next. They started moving. They didn't stretch out their hammocks and say, well, we'll just take a nap here and, and, and maybe we'll see what God... No, they, they moved out in faith and God led them as they moved. And here's the lesson, I think, for us, is that God directs our steps as we take steps. We have to step out in faith, and as we do that, then God shows us the next step. And notice here, even in this vision of the man of Macedonia, they're not given much detail. They're just saying... Come to Macedonia. Help is needed in Macedonia. They don't know what awaits them there. They don't know all the details. They don't even know yet what cities they're going to visit. There's still a lot of unknown. There's still a lot they've got to take by faith. But God moves as we take steps in faith. You know, God's call to us to come here to Trinity, some of you have heard us share this story before, but about four and a half years ago is when we were in that process of deciding God's call on our lives. We were in ministry at a church in Virginia Beach. And for us, in, in a sense, it was a Macedonian call 
We didn't know it at the time. But we got here, we rented a couple places, and the town where we are living now is called Macedonia. How about that? It was a Macedonian call to come here to North Georgia. We just didn't know it yet. But there is similarities in other ways and more important ways too. So as we went through, it wasn't just a call came and we said, yes, that's it, we're going, decision made. It didn't happen that fast. It didn't happen that easy. There were many days of prayer and waiting on God, steps forward and steps backward, doors open and doors closed. It was a process over a number of months. We had to wait on God. We had to keep stepping forward, next step, next step, without knowing where the following step was going to be. That's often how it goes. Finally came to one point, a decision needed to be made early summer of 2017. And so I took a day off. I said, I just need to go and spend a time in fasting and praying. And so I went out to the shore of the Chesapeake Bay, being outside and near water especially, just kind of always helps me in focusing and thinking about and, and hearing from the Lord. And so I went out. As I'm walking along the shore, I, I, the waves were coming in, and, and the bay, it's much gentler waves than out on the ocean of the, the shore of the Atlantic. And so these gentle waves are kind of lapping on the shore. And I stopped and looked at the water because I saw something different that I hadn't seen before. Instead of the waves coming straight onto the shore, it was like a wave began to come from this other direction and was hitting these waves. And so it was like two waves coming from different directions, hitting each other, and then coming onto shore. And for me, in that moment, with what I was praying through and struggling through in this decision, it was, like, it was almost like two decisions that kind of hit up against one another. And that's what I was feeling. And as I stood and watched over a little bit of time, the one wave that had come, the, what I considered the new wave, began to kind of take over. And it became the dominant wave, the dominant current. Now, Looking back on that, what I know is that was probably a changing of the tide. The tide had gone out, and now the tide is coming in, and that brought a different motion to the waves. And it can all be explained naturally. But in that moment, it was a visual for me saying, there's a new wave. There's a new direction. And it was a confirmation for me and for us that God was leading us to a new place, a new ministry. This happened to be right here, Trinity Church of Marble Hill. Now, I am not saying with that story that the way you discern God's will is to go watch the waves and see how they come in. That's not the point. And don't sit around waiting for a vision like Paul got from man of Macedonia. That may not happen either. God does not work the same way all the time. There's no magic formula for God's will. You know that, right? But what you can also know, and what I want to emphasize this morning, is that though you may not know how and when it's going to happen, God will guide you. If you seek Him, if you trust Him, if you pray, He will guide your life. That's His promise to you. You can depend on that. Now, you've got to live with a lot of other uncertainties, but you can be certain that your life in His hand will go the direction he wants it to go. Paul, Silas, Timothy, they learned that in this moment, learning to trust God every step of the way. How does discernment of God's will come? 
It comes through getting wise, godly advice from others. It comes from being in God's Word, seeking His will there. It comes from prayer and fasting. It comes from dependence on the Holy Spirit and His leadership in your life. But you can be assured that God will guide you as you do those things in some way, somehow, at some time, in His time, He will guide you. So this is how God works. Great insight in this passage today of how God works. Let me just review what we've seen this morning. Aren't you thankful that God works despite our flaws and our squabbles and our disagreements and our failures and our sin? He does. So encouraging to hear that. Aren't you glad that God looks beyond our past, that He has a plan for our future despite our past that doesn't have to hold us back? That's a wonderful encouragement. Aren't you amazed at the way God leads in your life? Even there, there are times when you're going to feel uncertain, unsure, when you're not going to know for sure what the direction is. God is there. He is with you. and He will guide you. And that's what happens for this team. And it's an amazing team that God has put together for this mission. We're going to be following them for a little while. So think about this. Paul is a former Pharisee. He, he formerly was a persecutor of the church, and yet now he's on God's team. How about Silas? He's a prophet from the Jerusalem church. We don't know as much about his background, but he suddenly joins the team. He's a part of this. He, by the way, was also a Roman citizen, which turns out to come in handy, as we're going to see next week. And Timothy, this Jewish Greek from Lystra, now he's a part of the team. And then did you notice in verse 10, again, this is subtle, but it was the first of what we call the we sections in the book of Acts, we, W-E, because every once in a while, Luke includes himself in the story. Luke, you remember, was a medical doctor. He was a historian. He wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts, but he was part of the story. So apparently, he starts this we section in verse 10, so he joins the team too in Troas. It's possible he was even from Philippi where the team's going to go next. Some even speculate that maybe Luke was the man of Macedonia that Paul saw in his vision. We don't know that. But he does join the team here. And so they're about to go. We're going to see this next week. They prepare to sail across the Aegean to the city of Philippi, which is right in the heart of Roman territory. It's the gateway to the west. It's a Roman colony, which is going to open up their way to go all the way to the amazing great city of Rome at that time of, of, of history where God would eventually launch the gospel there. So this is a defining moment in God's plan to take the good news to the ends of the earth. So here we are, back to our theme, and this is another part of it. Now we're moving into a whole new area, into this, this Macedonian area, this Greek culture area, and the gospel is going to take root here too. And it came about because these faithful servants were willing to be used by God and willing to trust God's leading in their lives. Family of Trinity, let me close with this a personal message here because God's opened up a door for us to minister right here in our own community, our fall celebration next Sunday. You've been hearing about this for weeks. It's coming up a week from today. And I know a situation like this for some of you may be uncomfortable, may be inconvenient. Am I going to go and spend an entire Sunday out in a field somewhere? Yeah, because it's an opportunity that God's given us 
to take the gospel to this community. And God cares as much about the gospel going to Pickens County as he did about the gospel going to Macedonia, right? So this is our call. This is our Macedonian call to be there and ready to serve next Sunday. Thank you for jumping on board. Thank you for jumping into this. Thank you for supporting this effort. And I ask, this, as Nick asked at the beginning of the service here, please be in prayer for this. Pray for the weather. Pray for people to come. And then let's be there with the hearts full of the love of Jesus Christ to pour out on other people and with our mouths ready to speak the living words of hope, the good news of the gospel in any way we can. Because God wants to use us. God wants to use you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage and the whole book of Acts that just is such an encouragement to our hearts. So personal, so practical, so much right where we live. And Lord, the reminder this morning that you use us despite our failures, our past mistakes, our issues, our arguments, whatever we think gets in the way. And Lord, you're able by your grace and your forgiveness to push it out of the way and still to use us for your kingdom work. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance in our lives, for your Holy Spirit that you've placed in us to show us the way. Sometimes where not to go, sometimes where to go. And Lord, help us to walk in faith every step so that we'll know we'll be there when you call us to the next step. Give us a sensitivity to listen, to hear from you, to obey you when you call. And Lord, I pray again specifically for next Sunday. Lord, I thank you for those who are coming alongside here at Trinity who are stepping out with us in faith to make ourselves available to bless and minister to this community. And I pray that you'd give us many opportunities by showing your love, by blessing others, by speaking of you, that the gospel would spread. Lord, thank you for your grace in our lives. And I pray that we would find ways to show that grace to the people around us. Thank you for working in our hearts. And Lord, this morning, our prayer as we close this morning is just that you would take our hearts. We give them to you. And I pray, Lord, that not only would you be at work in our hearts, but you would then give us a heart for those who are lost, who need to hear about you. Here's our hearts, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.